Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. I want to begin reading out of Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. And it reads, Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They asked, even the winds and the waves obey him. I just kind of briefly want to talk to you about uh, insight through crises, insight through crises. Um, this is a very familiar text. And I think right now, uh, not only is our nation in a crisis situation, but we are in a crisis within ourselves. If you think of the inner man is really going through some things right now, and we need to be aware of what God wants us to do in the midst of this hour. Um, Mike Embry uh, was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis back at when he was at the age of 19. Young, athletic. I mean, you can imagine the shock waves that were sent through his family. So what do you do when you're diagnosed with an incurable disease? And no, no matter what's going on in your life, you think about what, what was going on before then. None of those things matter. Your mind is focused only on what's about to take place. And in a matter of time, you may not even be walking the same way that you are walking right now. Uh, the documentary Living Proof highlights the journey that that took him and his family as they undertook to look for answers for a cure for multiple sclerosis. It was in their pursuit for answers that this family gained a certain level of knowledge and insight that impacted many lives and it brought hope to those that had none at all. Now, I want you to think about something. Now, tough times uh, they show up in different times in our lives and in, uh, in different forms. Now, they can be on different levels of intensity and they can be on different ends of a spectrum. Uh, on one end, a baby struggles to walk and day after day, that baby watches adults and other children do what only it yearns to do. And then at the other end of the spectrum, a ambushed uh, soldier lies by himself next to a structure that's barely standing. He's the only soldier that has survived. He has one clip and he's surrounded by enemies and he turns over and over in his mind. How can I escape this hostile situation? You want to talk about tough times. You want to talk about a crisis situation. Now, it's important before we really begin to dig in the text, I want you to understand that we must be careful what we feed on before and what we feed on during a crisis. 
before you need to watch what you feed on because it prepares us. It prepares us for the crisis situation, how we handle things, and it's going to determine the proper outcome. Um, and you need to be careful what you feed on in the midst of a crisis because it strengthens us and it also provides us with the necessary hope that we need. Now, if you think of just constantly, not just today, but just just throughout every year, the media is bombarding our minds with school shootings. There may be storms approaching the coastline. Um, we look at today and we're seeing constantly police brutality and this COVID-19 epidemic. And it's really easy to only focus your mind on what you see and think, is there really anything else out here? Now, a lot of people will say, hey, I'm just trying to be aware of what's going on in my neighborhood. I'm just trying to be aware of what's going on in the nation. And I'm just trying to be aware of what's going on in the world. Now, aware awareness is important. And I'm going to say that again. Awareness is important, but the wrong type of saturation can be disastrous. Saturating yourself with too much of the same things over and over can be disastrous for your life and mine. And we must never forget that we need to give our minds and our spirits a rest. Time to sit back and reset, but not only reset, but to refocus and reflect on what it is that I want to uh, retain in my spirit and what I want to discard. See, that's the key thing about taking the time to rest and step back. Because when I reflect on different things, what's going on around me? How have I been handling situations? I know that there are certain things that are speaking to me and that I'm feeding on that I may not want to retain. I may not want to hold on to those things. But if you never give yourself a time to rest, you'll never be able to do that. It, this is important because our character is on the line. And when I say our character, I mean who we are when nobody else is around, who we are when nobody else can see but God. Uh, Gregory Kutsana, and I'm hoping I'm saying his name right. He says this. He says, my conviction is that crises generally open us up to new insights and they free us from previously held patterns. And if you think about his statement there, I want you to see something. It's two things that stand out that, that are very important. First and foremost, crises in themselves, they are neutral. And the second thing is, is that they have purpose. Uh, a crisis situation is neutral because it doesn't care where you were born, the color of your skin, or how much money it is that you have. And a crisis has a purpose because the sender of the crisis has a goal in mind. What do I mean by that? I mean this. When your enemy creates a crisis situation for your life, it is meant to break you, to destroy you, to bring you into some type of submission for whatever reason. But when a friend allows a crisis situation, I want you to listen to that language. When a friend allows a crisis situation in your life, it is meant to strengthen you, to build your character and to allow you to see previously things that you didn't see before. It's very important that we understand that a crisis situation has a purpose. 
Kutsana goes on to say that crises have past, present and future implications. Uh, he says that we take what has come before all of our personal preparation of character, right? Character is important. He also says that we experience the crisis and then we define our future. In these crises, the person or idea that mediates our discoveries is is key because that helps define the new normal after the crisis transformation is over. I want you to think about that really quick because you need to really pay attention to who your teacher is in the midst of the process. Who is your teacher? Who's leading and guiding you? Who are you feeding on in the midst of your crisis situation? That's why before the crisis is important because you're already preparing yourself for when the crisis hits. But if you haven't been prepared, you're going to find yourself doing things that are out of character. The longer I walk with God, it becomes clearer to me that he will allow things in our lives to shake things up. Um, Kusana says it this way. He says, God will allow us to be shaken so that we can be stabilized. I mean, just think about that. The stabilizer of our soul is with us before the crises, during the crises, and he will be there entire time that storm is hitting our lives. Crises not only bring about questions to our faith, but it's another thing that's very important. They also drive us deeper down the road of this is why I don't. Let me give you a few examples. For some, it is this is why I don't believe in God in the first place. For others, it is this is why I don't know what to do in the midst of these circumstances. I just truly don't know what to do. And for a few, and this is very important, this is why I don't want to be here anymore. Some people are just simply willing to give up on life because the crisis situation is too much to handle. They didn't prepare beforehand. And right now it is, I don't even want to be here now, let's look again briefly at verses 23 and part of 24. It says, then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Pay attention to up until this point, Jesus here in chapter eight has showed us what the perfect picture looks like of somebody co-working with God. Let, let me show you what I mean. He he healed the leper. Uh, there was the healing of the Roman official servant. There was the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. Uh, he broke the spells that the demons held over the people and he healed many that were sick. Now, it's important that you understand because this is the one that the disciples had chosen to follow. This is the one that you and I, as we read the scriptures, we choose to follow this one, the one that has total control of everything that's going on around him. This is the one that co-works with God and he is our example. But this is what takes place. The, the storm, it hits the lake and begins to flood the boat that they're in. And it is in times like this that we, we state, 
Now, here's the thing. We may state these things to ourselves in our mind or when nobody else is around, or we may state these things to other people while we are venting. And we say things like, this is not what I signed up for. And you got to pay attention here because Jesus told them to go to the other side. So that means that he knew that there was going to be a storm that was coming. But are we going to trust him not only in the good times when he's healing everybody, but are we going to trust him even when he leads us somewhere that we don't want to go? The word usually translated storm here, um, it comes from a word that means to shake, to agitate, to to stir up. It's a sudden commotion or a disturbance in regular activity. And it says that Jesus <laughs> was sleeping on the boat. I mean, this is a, 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 a picture of perfect peace. Now, who else thinks this is kind of strange? I mean, Jesus is just simply showing out at the moment, right? I remember the first time I read that, I was like, come on, Jesus, you, you just actually sleeping. They're running around, uh, anxious, worried. They're thinking that they're actually going to die. But, but Jesus is not the only person that we've seen that has been calm under pressure. Now, let me say this. He did it better than anybody else may have done, but he's not the first person that has displayed this type of behavior. Uh, Neil Armstrong's in, in his, his memoirs, he tells this story of being on an armed reconnaissance uh, mission and he was hit by enemy aircraft fire. Um, he goes on to say, I hit some electric lines, but I was able to nurse the aircraft back to uh, uh, normal and, and I was able to make it back to friendly territory where he jumped out and he was rescued. Uh, it was found in Gandhi and it was found in Martin Luther King during their nonviolent campaigns. It is found in the steady hands of a doctor who performs heart or brain or spinal surgery where one false move could end it on, could end it all. It is a picture of peace under pressure. Uh, now, many like to quote how pressure busts pipes uh, or it produces diamonds, but let me say it this way. Crises can either make us or break us, but one thing is for sure, in the midst of a crisis situation, they will reveal our heart. Now, when we look at Jesus with this this picture of of a perfect peace, but there's also a picture of panic that's taking place among the disciples. Um, these are the effects of a crisis situation, the, the 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 overwhelming fear that takes place in our lives. They can cause us to focus only on extreme outcomes. And if you listen to them, they're saying things like. Don't you care that we're going to die in the midst of something when we're not prepared? We go somewhere totally left field. We only focus on what could happen in the most extreme ways that we can think of. But let me say this to you. One or two things usually happen when we read this. When you read something like this and we, we try to focus on the disciples, we say things like the disciples are tripping if I would have been in that situation, knowing that Jesus was there, man, I wouldn't even be tripping like that. Or we say something like this. 
that's exactly what I would have been doing in that situation. So where are you? Are you going to be honest about where you are? Have you prepared for a crisis situation? Because no matter how much you post on social media about how spiritual you are, how many scriptures you post in the midst of a crisis situation, you're going to show up and we're going to know if you were prepared or not. I think there's a reason that this is put here. I think there's a reason for this is put here for us to to read. And first and foremost, when we think of the panic is a picture of someone who has not developed their trust in God. What do I mean by that? They don't have the necessary tools in their toolbox. You're carrying around a empty toolbox and it's time to use a certain tool in this moment. And you don't know which one to use. Have you ever seen somebody where they were working on a car and you just kind of walk up and they're under there and they're just working, going. And they say, hey, hand me an alley wrench. And you kind of looking at the toolbox like, I don't know what that is. And they have to point it out to you. Christ wants to equip us before the storm, before the crisis hits our lives so that we know when the crisis hits, we can open the toolbox. We don't have to fumble around in there. We can grab exactly what we need to be able to handle the situation. In stark contrast, when you think of uh, peaceful sleep here, you get a picture of somebody that's totally dependent on God. It's the person that has many tools in that toolbox and they don't just have many tools. They know which ones to use in that moment. And it's important to recognize that the author Matthew is in the boat as well. And he's honest about we were all running around scared that we may die. But it's also important to recognize that it's possible to get to a place where we can be at peace amid the storm. And these two things keep us grounded and humble, but they also give us hope for the future. But let's look at the salvation. It's in verses 26 and 27. It says, Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They asked. Even the winds and the waves <laughs> obey him. I mean, the last time you get this type of language where we're talking about not having enough faith, uh, not putting your trust in the Lord in that moment is in Matthew chapter six, where he says, and if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? I mean, just think about that in, in simple terms. Even with all you've seen me do up until this point, you are not ready to trust me in situations like this. That's simple terms of what he's saying about little faith. You've seen me do so much. You've seen me heal this. You've seen me come through in this person's situation, but you're not at that point yet where you're ready to trust me. If you stick with me, you will be, but you're just not there. And that's something that we have to be honest with ourselves about. God's 
authority here. When, we, when we're looking at this, God's authority and power is seen all over scripture with him having power over nature. And so this shouldn't be such a surprise, not only to them, but even to us today. In Psalm 65 and 7, and again, New Living Translation, it reads, you quiet, quieted it, the raging oceans with their pounding waves and silence, the shouting of the nations. In Psalms 89 and 9, it says you ruled the oceans, you subdued their storm tossed waves. And then again, in Psalms 107, 29, it says he calmed the storm to a whisper and stilled the waves. This is not the first time God's authority has been displayed, but it certifies who Jesus is. And you need to understand they chose to follow him because he is a qualified teacher. And we have to think about who are we following today? Who are we listening to? Who are we feeding on? But I can tell you the reason why I follow Jesus, the Christ is because he is qualified. But if you look at the reaction that takes place here, it's one of amazement, first and foremost. It is described uh, by someone as being astonished out of your mind, right? It's awestruck. It's causing one to start speculating on the matter. It's like, wow, even the storms, the wind and the waves, they're obedient to him. It gets your emotions and your senses in, involved. It kind of confuses you about what it is that you're seeing. What you just witnessed has blown your mind and it has affected you personally. That's the thing. When we read scripture and when we have these encounters with God and when God shows up in the midst of our situation, it's going to affect other people around, but it should affect you and I personally. But the second thing is, it, it, it causes us to repent. What do I mean by that? By this, I mean, it causes us to rethink what we previously thought about Jesus. See, before COVID-19, you thought a certain way about Jesus. Uh, before the protest uh, about George Floyd began to happen, you thought a certain way about Jesus. You thought I can follow this Jesus. But when this crisis situation hit, you don't know what to do. And it, it causes you to rethink some things because that's what repent means. It's not about asking about forgiveness. It's rethinking, turning over in your mind over and over. How did I think about him and what have other people said about him? This is something special that takes place only when you are in the vicinity of God at work. That's kingdom language. God is at work. He's doing something. And this is the starting point for us to begin to gain the proper insight that we need. I mean, think about this. They are fully compliant to Jesus. Speaking of the wind and the sea, uh, it's like an intensified form of listening. It's he said, do it. And it's like, whoa, don't move. I, I love the quote right here. Anytime I read the scripture, uh, Pastor Carter at Mount Isle Baptist Church, he says, he made them lay down like sleeping dogs. I mean, just think about the insight that is received, even in the midst of the chaos in our life. And it allows us to see that this chaos must cease, even when Jesus says so. Rethink about who you thought Jesus was. 
Does he only have control over small matters in your life or can he handle the big things as well? Can the Lord handle the crisis situation that our country is currently in? And if you believe he can, your character will show up in the proper way right now and you won't go all the way left. The one that holds your life and my life in his hands has authority even over the storms and the winds and waves in our lives. Now, this does not mean that we can just go and demand God to stop, right? Stop it right now. Some of us feel like we even have control over the Lord, but this is what it does mean. It means that sometimes God will allow things to continue for whatever reason until he says it's enough, which means that the one that you have attached yourself to, the one that you said, I will follow to the end of my life. His wisdom is greater than what we as his students and what other ideas other people come up with. See, this is the thing. The wisdom of God is what created the universe and everything is that you see. That's the wisdom that you're following. Understand this. Things happen. They catch us off guard. But we must understand that the one that has this great amount of wisdom is the one that we ought to be following. And we can trust that he knows where he's taking us and he knows how the road is going to be to get there. And if you haven't attached yourself to him, now is the time to rethink why I haven't attached myself, why I haven't given my life all the way over to him. And if we look closely, the storm is not the crisis, but it, it's what causes the crisis. Um, they're being shaken up. It's this storm causes the crisis and it gives us the, the ability to distinguish between different things that are happening right now in our lives. Like God is allowing some things to surface. And if you haven't really paid attention yet, he's going to continue to allow some things to surface in your life right now in the midst of whatever the crisis situation is, whether it's what's going on with this entire nation in 2020, right? With the COVID-19 causing us to be quarantined. Uh, this police brutality is causing people to protest and hit the streets. Things are bubbling up. What are you going to do in this situation? Are you going to look like everybody else or are you going to be that alternative voice that represents God in the midst of the world. Some final thoughts. Some of you may be thinking, man, I can handle pretty much anything. And you'll say, I'm not really worried when a crisis situation hit. All I can say to you is, oh, how spiritual you are. You're never phased by anything. Um, I hope that you're authentic with that type of statement and type of thinking that you have in your life, that you really have prepared yourself to be able to handle things when these crises hit. But the question should be this. What can we do when our situations and circumstance or even the environment that we find ourselves in is too overwhelming and we want to continue to trust the Lord? I'm going to leave you with Matthew chapter seven, verses 24 through 27. And it reads this. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise 
like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. I want to leave you with that simply because of this. Everyday decisions, everyday deeds, they determine the fruit that will develop in your life. A person that's doing evil, uh, doing all of these harmful acts to other people, they didn't get there overnight. It started with one decision that put them on a path versus somebody that chose to say, I'm going to do things the way the Lord told me to do. You start out on one path and day after day, you move down that path with the decisions that you make. You want to live a life that's flourishing the way God has for you? Build on his foundation. Stay on his path. And I guarantee you, in the midst of a crisis you'll be able to stand strong. And as always, I want to leave my blessing with you. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.